0: The Orioles on Sunday set a new record, giving out their largest bonus to an international amateur free agent. As Luis Almeida is joining the organization, he could be a star a couple years down the road. We're talking about the international free agent period opening. We're talking about the arbitration deadline and some other Orioles news and notes coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Monday, January 16th, 2023. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we've got some Orioles news and notes to get to. We'll start With the international signing period for international free agents opening up on Sunday, the Orioles already agreeing to terms with 27 players, including Luis Almeida, who is their biggest bonus they've ever given out at $2.3 million. We'll break down who he is and when we could see him in an Orioles uniform, plus highlight a few more of the players from this year's class. Then, We'll go to the arbitration deadline, which came on Friday. Orioles agreeing to 2023 contracts with five of their six arbitration-eligible players. We'll talk about those numbers and what it means for Austin Voth, whom the Orioles did not agree with. And then our last Orioles news and notes of the day, talking about some trade rumors with the O's still in contact with the Marlins. Still looking for a free agent starting pitcher. Trey Mancini finding his new home. And the Orioles completing the James McCann trade. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. So let's jump right into our Orioles news and notes here on a Monday. We're getting really, really close to opening day here and, and really, really close to pitchers and catchers reporting. We're, we're just basically about a month out from O's pitchers and catchers getting to Sarasota for spring training. That is wild. This is one of the shorter off seasons that players will have just because the season lasted a little longer due to the lockout and they're starting a couple days earlier with spring training than they usually do. And because of that, shorter off season, which is I'm always fine with. I'd rather a longer season and a shorter off season, that means more baseball. But In the offseason, you know, there's a lot of dates that that are a lot of deadlines. Most of them happen in November and December, but we've gotten to our big January deadlines. They actually fell this weekend, both of them on Friday and Sunday. Let's start with the first one, and that is the international signing period opening on Sunday. The 2023 period lasts from January 15th through December 15th, but as you're probably well aware at this point, Pretty much all the big names go off the board on day one on January 15th. And that is what happened on Sunday. Now, some will say, well, if you can't negotiate till now, you can't sign till now, how is everyone ready to go at basically noon on Sunday? Well, the thing you have to know about international free agency in Major League Baseball is that it is very slimy. Without a better word to use, it's slimy. Now, you aren't allowed to sign guys until they are 16 years old. However, you have teams contacting guys as early as 13 years old in the Dominican Republic, in Venezuela, in Cuba, in other Latin American countries, and kind of taking advantage of these kids, of their families, of different people in their lives. And yeah, it works out pretty well for some of the players at the top of the list. We'll talk about Luis Almeida with the Orioles. $2.3 million signing bonus. That's all good well. But a lot of other kids are left out. Each team has an international bonus pool that they can pull from. The Orioles is right about at $5.8 million for 2023 that they can give out. And they haven't given it all out on Sunday. But by the end of the stretch here, by the end of the year... I mean, I think they gave out all but about $100,000 of it last year. They'll pretty much give out all of it this year as well, spread it across you know, these 27 players and maybe a few more. But what happens a lot with kids is teams come in, see him at 13, offer him an under-the-table deal at 14, and then the kid doesn't develop like the team thought he would. I mean, physically over those next two years. And by the time he turns 16 and he gets to that next class, you have teams pulling those offers and giving them to other players because there's only a certain amount of money now that you can spend in international free agency. And you got teams paying trainers under the table so they can convince the you know 15-year-old kids they're working with to sign with a certain big league team. There's a really good article written by Ken Rosenthal and others in The Athletic from, I believe, around July of 2022 it was written. You can go check that one out. But in general, it's it's not a good world. international free agency. There are ideas to fix it. One is an international draft but that could even hurt the players more because you have 16 year old kids who don't at the very least get to choose where they play. I mean right now they are free agents although many of them are taken advantage of. A draft would suppress the bonus numbers and would give them no choice into which team they play for so that's why the players union argues it could be worse than the current system which is hard to do but could theoretically be worse. There's definitely some positives, but a lot of negatives as well. It's it's a messed up system, how players get to the big leagues. But on the flip side, it is a huge part of team building in Major League Baseball right now. So many teams have great players signed as international free agents. I believe the percentage is somewhere between 25 and 30% of the current big leaguers were international free agents at one time. That is a huge crop of really, really good baseball players. And as we know, the Orioles were basically not involved until Mike Elias was hired in November of 2018. I mean, the first time they could get involved was the January 2019 period. And remember, teams have under-the-table deals with kids a year, two years, sometimes more than two years out from the actual signing day. So although the Orioles could sign players in 2019, they were getting most of the guys that had been passed over, even in 2020. 2020. They were getting most of the guys that had been passed over. It wasn't until the 2021 signing period that the Orioles could really go get guys that they initially sought after because of how this system works. And the Orioles are part of the problem. Every single Major League Baseball team is that participates like this. But that's one of the reasons why you say, oh, why has it taken so long for the Orioles to get some of these international players here? Yeah, Elias came over in 2019, but they really couldn't participate in full until 2021. And, you know, we're only two years past that. Well, knowing all that, they did sign a 27-player class this year, at least initially, on day one. 14 of those players from the Dominican Republic, 11 from Venezuela, one from Colombia, and one from Cuba. It breaks down to eight right-handed pitchers, one left-handed pitcher, six catchers, eight infielders, and four outfielders are in this Orioles international class. And 13 of the 27 players agreed to bonuses over $100,000. Now... Only one of the 27 players was given more than $1 million by the Orioles. Now, the way the bonus pool works, again, it's about $5.8 million. Any signing bonus that's $10,000 or below does not count towards that bonus pool, but anything above $10,000 does. But the Orioles, well, the number one guy they got... Luis Almeida, who also goes by Aiden, his middle name. Aiden Almeida, he is called by his family as well. A 16-year-old shortstop who the Orioles agreed with for a $2.3 million signing bonus. That is the largest the Orioles have ever given out. In international amateur free agency in the history of the franchise. Only the fourth player that the Orioles have given more than $1 million to. Of course, last year they gave Braylon Tavera $1.7 million. And in 2021, they gave $1.3 million to Samuel Basayo and $1.2 million to Michael Hernandez. Again, 2021 being kind of the first year the Orioles could fully participate with Mike Elias at the helm. Now, Who is Luis Almeida? Well, again, a 16-year-old shortstop out of the Dominican Republic, who MLB.com ranked number 20 in their top 50 international free agents this season, and Baseball America ranked him at number 17. So a consensus top 20 international prospect, and one of the best players that the Orioles may be the best player the Orioles have ever gotten in international free agency. Now, he's a right-handed hitter. He'll be 17 in April and about six foot two, obviously still growing. Many think he could end up at third, but as a shortstop right now, as a teenager and been called a five tool player, the bat is the one that stands out, but he's a good defender. He can run well. This all coming from reports from others. Again, I'm not watching these guys play, just kind of relaying some of these reports. But the interesting story about Almeida is he's actually more well known than most of the guys in this international class across the board. And the reason is, well, he grew up in the U.S., actually grew up in Hawthorne, New Jersey, played high school baseball there. And when he was kind of an early teenager and you know was getting into late middle school and early into high school, he was already getting Division I college baseball offers as an eighth and ninth grader. And people were already projecting him out to be a pretty highly rated prospect out of high school in what would have been the 2025 MLB draft. That's when he would have been available, and some thought he could maybe be a first-round pick out of high school in that draft. But Almeida's parents are both from the Dominican Republic, and during high school, he decided to move back to the DR. He was classified then as an international free agent, which allowed him to participate in this situation instead of the draft and the Orioles came to the agreement at $2.3 million. Obviously, I'm sure plenty of factors went into that decision. You could argue he probably got more money at $2.3 million with his signing bonus than he would have going in the draft. And he gets that money two years earlier than he would have if he was, again, a 2025 MLB draft pick. So probably worked out better for Almeida and his family. He gets to enter pro ball earlier than he would have had he stayed in the States. And uh, good for him and his family. And... People are excited about this guy. Again, a top 20 prospect across the board. Now, you're not going to see him for a while. You're not going to see many of these guys for a while. I mean, you look at, you know, the Orioles international classes. Really, 2022 was like the first minor league season that you saw those guys in full season ball. Now, the pandemic hurt that. So I would say at the earliest you maybe see Almeida in full season ball. I mean, maybe by 2025. But, you know, he's still going to take a while because he's 16 years old. You're not going to see these guys for a while. But the classes are getting better and better for the Orioles. Now, a few more guys at least to highlight from the class that came out on Sunday. Uh, Joshua Lorenzo is one of them, another 16-year-old shortstop out of the Dominican Republic. He got the second highest bonus in his Orioles class at $500,000. A guy who uh, reportedly known for his bat and also has a professional baseball playing brother, Uh, His brother is a 19-year-old catcher in the Dodgers system who they signed out of the Dominican Republic a few years ago as well. And then there's the right-handed pitcher Kiefer Morfe, known to be the best pitcher of the nine arms that the Orioles got in this class. A 16-year-old right-hander out of Venezuela who got $210,000 as his bonus. And the word on the street is, got a sinking fastball that he's been up to 95 miles per hour already as a 16-year-old, pairs it with a slider and a changeup. Definitely the most exciting pitching prospect coming into this class for the Orioles. And then a couple of other names that at least the O's did mention in their press release or are worth mentioning. You got infielders in Jose Mejia, in Felix Amparo, in Luis Guevara, and a left-handed pitcher in and Francisco Moraro, and those are probably the other four guys, at least they wanted you to know, out of, again, a 27-player class that the Orioles signing as the international signing period opens. And again, it's one of my least favorite parts of Major League Baseball at this point. It's not fun. It's a lot of money under the table. It's a lot of people you don't necessarily want to be involved with, it feels like. Um, on both sides, but sometimes especially on the MLB side that these guys from these teams go down and and essentially take advantage of these kids and their families a lot. And it's unfortunate that this is the situation, but it's almost a kind of baseball version of I hate society, yet I live in one. And the Orioles know that they are a culprit just like the 29 other teams, but they didn't participate this until they hired Mike Elias. And to win... In today's Major League Baseball, unfortunately, you have to participate in this system, and exactly like all the other teams do, at least you know the Orioles are doing it, and at least they're now finally keeping up with the other top teams on the international market. I wish there was a better system, but this is what we have. And again, Luis Aiden Almeida, the number one guy in this class for the Orioles. Look out for that name as we go a few years down the road. But... Going from, you know, teenagers that the Orioles are bringing in to some big leaguers as the arbitration deadline was on Friday for teams and players to file and come to an agreement to avoid arbitration on 2023 contracts. The Orioles had six arbitration eligible players that uh, they had to agree with by Friday. They made agreements with five of the six. We'll talk about those numbers coming up next and who the one player was who did not come to terms and what that means for him and the O's moving forward. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.net, which is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis here in January. Now, still got one game left for Super Wildcard Weekend. Coming up tonight, the Cowboys at the Bucks in the NFC to finish off Wildcard Weekend. You can get all the odds and the lines for that game at BetOnline.net. And then, of course, the divisional round coming up next weekend, four more NFL games. Got the divisional, got conference championship weekend, and the Super Bowl. All the odds, all the trends, all the lines at BetOnline. And then, of course, there's college basketball. There's the NHL. There is the NBA. It's all going on at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, which I hope you do, if you're listening to this one, you can find those at BetOnline as well. They are always the fastest and easiest way to... To get your betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more at Bet Online where the game starts. So the Orioles adding again 27 players, headlined by Luis Almeida in their international class coming out on Sunday as the signing period started. But a couple days before that, over the weekend on Friday, was the arbitration deadline, the day in which teams and players had to agree to a contract figure for 2023 to avoid heading into arbitration. And the Orioles had six arbitration-eligible players. Now, a little background, a little refresher on kind of what this is, what arbitration is, what it means for players, is for Major League Baseball players, most of the time once you get to your fourth year in the Major Leagues, you become arbitration-eligible, which means instead of making that rookie minimum, you will make at least a, a solid amount of money each year. And the amount of money you make is determined by the performance of the previous year. And that number increases every year until you get to free agency. Generally, players have three arbitration years, and then some guys will have a fourth arbitration year depending on when they came up, Super 2 deadlines, things like that. But most players have three years of arbitration before they go to free agency. So the Orioles had six players that fell into that category for the 2023 season. And they came to agreements with five of them. Now, as we talked about before on this podcast, MLB trade rumors early in the offseason does a great job of making predictions on what these arbitration numbers will be. And they were pretty much, I mean, almost fully spot on for the Orioles. So here's the five guys that the Orioles came to agreements with for the 2023 season. Cedric Mullins, Will make 4.1 million dollars in arbitration in his first year in arbitration. He was projected at 4.4. That was the biggest miss by MLB trade rumors. Austin Hayes will get 3.2 million dollars in arbitration. Again, his first year. He was projected at 3.1 for the season. Anthony Santander will make 7.4 mil- million in arbitration. A projection of 7.5. He's got one more year of arbitration after this. Dylan Tate will make $1.5 million. That was the spot-on projection from MLB Trade Rumors. And Jorge Mateo will make $2 million in his first arbitration year. He was projected at $1.8 million, so Jorge gets a little bit more money. Now, this happens every single year. The Orioles make these agreements. They put out you know, a, a roster move graphic, a press release that they have agreed to 2023 contracts with these players. And a lot of the times I notice that people don't exactly understand what this means. None of these players were free agents. None of them were available to be signed by other teams. They are still under contract with the Orioles, and these are not one-year contracts. This does not mean any of these guys are going to be free agents next offseason. In fact, none of them are free agents next offseason. Again, what this does is it's a way for players to not be on you know rookie money for seven years and to get rewarded for how they play the previous year. Now, a team looks at a guy's stats— the agent and the player look at their stats, and they try to come to an agreement generally of what they should be worth, how much money they should make, the next year. So these five players, Mullins, Hayes, Santander, Tate, and Mateo, they and the Orioles came to agreements based on their 2022 performance, how much they should be paid in 2023. That's how the arbitration system works. They'll each make that number. And then next off season, all five of those players will be in arbitration again, and they will go through the same process. They will all make more money than they made in 2023 for the 2024 season, but they'll all go through the same process. So They weren't re-signed to one-year deals. They weren't available to other teams. They're not free agents after 2023. This is just how it works in Major League Baseball. Now, there was one player who did not come to an agreement. And if you made me guess which of the six who were eligible would maybe have to go to arbitration and wouldn't agree, it would be Austin Voth. He was the one player who did not come to an agreement. Now, Austin Voth has filed for $2 million for his salary of next year. The Orioles filed for $1.7 million. Now, they still have time to come to an agreement, but if they don't, the two sides will go to arbitration. And a neutral third party will look at Voth's performance and either side with Voth or side with the Orioles on what number he will make. So he's either most likely going to make $2 million if they side with Voth or he'll make $1.7 million if they side with the Orioles. Now, it's obviously not a good look whenever you don't agree with your players because when you're looking at it, you're saying $300,000 was really the difference in making Austin Voth happy for the 2023 season instead of having to go to an arbitration hearing. And these arbitration hearings sometimes aren't pretty. I mean, basically, the front office sends someone to this hearing to basically almost act like a prosecutor against Austin Voth. And look at his stats and basically break him down and tell an arbitrator why he's not worth $2 million, And instead he is only should be paid $1.7 million for the 2023 season. It's someone from Voth's own front office arguing against his performance. That's kind of how these things work. It's kind of unfortunate and it's kind of weird and it's kind of sleazy how it works. But again... That's what happens in these front offices. But, again, if you would have told me one player wouldn't come to an agreement, I would have said Austin Voth only because, yeah, he was good with the O's, but he never really pitched more than five innings. So you don't really know, is he a starter or is he a reliever? That's one of the big things that gets put into consideration here. And because he was so bad with the Nationals this year before they DFA'd him and the Orioles claimed him, That becomes part of the story as well. Voth obviously doesn't think that should play a factor. The Orioles will say that should play a factor. That might be why there's the difference in the numbers. I'm assuming the arbitrator probably will side with Voth. He'll probably get two million. And either way, he's going to be pitching for the Orioles next year. It's, you know, if just because they didn't come to an agreement doesn't mean he's like a free agent now or he's, you know, not going to be pitching for the O's. He'll be pitching for the O's. It'll, Probably go past opening day, potentially, whether we know what number he's going to get. But he will be pitching for the Orioles next season. It's a weird structure. I get that it is confusing, but that was my best take at kind of letting you know how it works, why you see these numbers come out. Again, none of these guys are just signing one-year deals to be free agents next year. That's not happening. They're all locked up through the Orioles, at least... Through 2024, but it was nice to see the O's agree with five of the six players because, I mean, the Tampa Bay Rays had 14 arbitration eligible guys. They only agreed to a contract with seven of them. They're going to arbitration with seven players on that roster. Not surprising because it's the Rays, but not generally a great look from the team and their players. We got a few more Orioles news and notes to get to here on today's episode before we finish up. Going to talk about some O's trade rumors maybe looking at another veteran starting pitcher in free agency, maybe looking to add to the outfield and the Orioles finished up the James McCann trade as the Mets have selected their player to be named later in that deal. Talk about who that is coming up right after this. But first, if you are looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all the fat and calories, then you got to try built bar because this episode of the locked on Orioles podcast is brought to you by built bar. Now, we just got through the holidays. I know for a lot of people, those New Year's resolutions, those goals, want to eat a little better, stay a little healthier, it's great. Built Bars, they make it easy. Because the thing is, they're delicious, right? These, these protein bars, they taste like a candy bar. They've got these amazing flavors. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. You can get churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, whatever you like. But I'm not sure how they do it, but the bar is healthy only 130 calories and four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein in every Built Bar. And now, here's the new thing, and this might be the best part. You don't have to wait around to get your box of Built Bars in the mail from Built.com. You can still order from there, but now you can get them at your local Walmart, or your Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. You can get maybe a, a four pack in the pharmacy section of some delicious built bars. Or go to Sam's Club, get a bigger box, a 13 bar box with hit flavors like brownie batter and churro. Trust me, you can thank me later. So you can go to built.com to get those built bars, but also you can go to Walmart or Sam's Club to get those delicious and nutritious built bars. So we're back here on an Orioles news and notes episode on a Monday. want to get to a couple more topics here on the pod before I finish up for the day. and wanted to start with a few noot- notes from Roccabacco, who wrote an article back on Friday, just kind of running through some Orioles news and notes as well, and, and reported a couple of interesting things. And I think the first thing was, he said the Orioles are continuing to maintain interest in free agent starting pitcher Michael Waka. Now, Waka, I think hands down right now is the best free agent starting pitcher still left on the free agent market. And you could argue he might be the best free agent left in general. At worst, he's probably the second best free agent who is still out there. So, Michael Waka, I've talked about because there's been reported interest for months now between him and the Orioles. And I talked about how maybe he's the last guy out there who still helps the Orioles rotation. In terms of free agents, I think he's the last guy left out there where the Orioles could still sign him and give him a rotation spot and still upgrade the rotation at this point. Like, Waka had a good year with Boston last year. Now, he dealt with some injuries, but 23 starts, 127 innings. He had a 3.32 ERA. Now, it was a 4.14 FIP, so maybe he got a little lucky, and it wasn't big strikeout numbers, but he didn't really walk anybody. He got his ground balls. And he had a good season. And if he would have stayed healthier, it would have been an even better season. Now, he hasn't pitched over 160 innings since 2017. So there's a little bit of a durability issue there with Waka. But if you're bringing him in... You're asking him to be your number five guy. Maybe Gibson's your number four, and then the rest of your guys are one, two, three. It's not ideal, but if the Orioles bring him in on a one-year, you know, six or seven million dollar deal, I wouldn't hate it. It makes the rotation better. He had a good year with Boston. He dominated the Orioles a couple times. He's got that great, great changeup that that gets lefties out. He's a big reverse splits guy. But I don't know. Again, if it's a one-year cheap deal, I would do it. Gives you depth, makes the team better, but. I'm hoping the O's can pull off the trade for a little bit of a bigger name in terms of starting pitchers. And that's something that Rock wrote about as well, saying the Orioles are still in contact with multiple teams about starting pitching and said they have talked with the Marlins. They continue to talk with the Marlins. He brought up how, you know, Ramon Arias and Jorge Mateo are coming up in trade talks with multiple teams. We've kind of known that, you know, I, I had heard about the kind of Ramona Rios and David Peterson talks between the Orioles and the Mets that had happened before the Mets got Carlos Correa. Maybe those happen again. Now the Correa uh, is a Minnesota twin, but certainly something that could happen. I'd rather that than Michael Waka, but I think Michael Waka could still help this Orioles team. And then, He said the Orioles are still interested in maybe bringing in a corner outfield bat. I think it's the kind of other thing they haven't checked off yet. I mean, they obviously brought in Nomar Mazzara and Franchi Cordero on minor league deals, but you can't even count on them being on the big league team at any point and really producing. So maybe looking for more of a big leaguer in that spot. And he said they're really focusing on a corner outfielder who plays good defense. So, I mean, guys who fall into that category who are still free agents, you know, maybe a a Tommy Pham potentially is maybe someone who would fit. I mean, you're looking at some other guys. Raimel Tapia is still out there. Uh, You know, a David Peralta is still out there. I think that guys that that could fit, but again, you're not really getting the cream of the crop that are left out there in free agency. Now, past those news and notes, the Orioles did kind of complete a roster move last week as well. If you remember a couple weeks back, the Orioles trading for James McCann from the New York Mets getting McCann to be Adley Rutschman's backup catcher. And the deal at the time was for a player to be named later. Well, that player has been named. As we know, uh, the Orioles gave the Mets a list of about five prospects that they could choose from. Well, they chose their guy. And as I told you, as pretty much everyone told you, it was never going to be anyone you even knew. The prospect is Luis De La Cruz. I followed the Orioles system pretty closely, and I had never heard of Luis De La Cruz. So take with that what you will. A 20-year-old left-handed hitting outfielder, Dela Cruz, who has never made it out of the Dominican Summer League with the Orioles. He was a 2019 international free agent signing by Baltimore. He hit 291 this year in the Dominican Summer League in 33 games. He had just 101 plate appearances, 291 with a 396 on base and a 349 slugging. That was after a, a really bad first year where he hit just 203 and slugged just 275 in 2021. He's a guy who plays the outfield and hits a little but has zero pop whatsoever. Good at drawing walks at times, but really don't know much about him. And again, it was going to be a nothing prospect and, and that's what it was to complete the James McCann deal. And then finally, just wanted to... Say congratulations to Trey Mancini, who finally signed his free agent contract over the weekend, signing a two-year, $14 million deal with the Chicago Cubs. It does have a player opt-out option for after the first year. So theoretically, Mancini could be a free agent again next offseason. Wouldn't mind. Again, the Orioles bringing him back. But he's going to go to the Cubs. Of course, the Cubs did already sign Eric Hosmer earlier this offseason. Now they have two kind of first base DH types. They also have a prospect in Matt Mervis, who was in AAA and plays first base and seems to be big league ready, so there could be a logjam there, but it seems like him and Hosmer will split time between first base and DH. Trey will probably play a little corner outfield, but generally first base and DH. And He's going to get a lot of at-bats with Chicago. They're not a great team right now, and all the best to Trey. I hope he does well. Uh, the Orioles go to Wrigley Field to play the Cubs for a weekend series June 16th through 18th. That's when Trey and the Orioles will be reunited Again, I will be happily watching that series, cheering for the O's, but obviously cheering for Trey to do well all season. that he's not an Oriole, but happy he got a multi-year deal and is uh, making some money in free agency this offseason. And hopefully Trey can have a good year in Chicago, build up that value, opt out, and get a bigger deal next offseason. But that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in for some O's. News and notes. Again, as we have further updates on Austin Voth and further updates on the international signing period, we will talk about them as the podcast moves on. But we'll be back on Wednesday this week with a little mailbag episode answering your Orioles questions. So if you want to get a mailbag question in to be answered on the pod, you can email us at Locked on Orioles at gmail.com you could tweet at the pod at locked on Orioles or DM at locked on Orioles on Twitter the DMs are open leave a comment on the YouTube page make sure like comment and subscribe to the locked on Orioles YouTube page and leave a comment on today's episode and uh, we'll get to that question on Wednesday or if you listen on Apple podcasts make sure to leave a five-star rating and a review on the Apple Podcast app. And in that review, write your mailbag question and it will be answered on Wednesday's show. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.